seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, they put him to an open shame. My friend, any time that you add any works to your salvation, any time that you are saying, I'm a born-again child of God, and then you live like the devil's son, then you're crucifying the Son of God. Because he came to give you a perfect redemption and to enable you by the indwelling Holy Spirit to be filled with the Spirit of God to live for him. Now, he goes on, "...for the earth which drinketh in the rain..." that cometh off upon it, that bringeth forth herbs meet for them for whom its dress receiveth blessing from God. These herbs bring forth a blessing to man. They are delicious to eat. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected. Now, the word reject here is the same word Paul used. Paul says, I keep under my body that I might not be rejected or cast out but that I might be disapproved. Paul says, when I come into his presence, I don't want to be disapproved. I don't want the Lord Jesus to say to me, you failed me. Your life should have been a testimony. It's not. And friends, you're going to hear it if you don't live for it. Now, somebody needs to say that. I know that's not popular. It's lots popular today to have some comforting music and read a lovely little poem and quote John 14 of the 23rd Psalm, and they're wonderful. Oh, my, how we need those. But my friend, you're going to stand before him someday. And you're before him today, for that matter. Now, he says, you could be disapproved. And thank God Paul could say when he came to the end of his life, I finished my course. I have kept the faith. I know there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Oh, to live for God today. But beloved, Now, this is the key. We are persuaded better things of you. Paul says, I'm persuaded that you today are going to live for God. And you're not going to be a babe in Christ, but you're going to grow up and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. Now, he goes on. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Now, work and love won't save you. But if you're saved, I tell you, this is what he rewards you for, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints, and do minister. Now, here's where good works come in. They certainly have an important part in a Christian's life, but they have nothing to do with your salvation. Now, he goes on, "...we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end." Now, how wonderful this is. Work and labor of love is not salvation. And we need the full assurance of hope unto them, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, he's made a lot of promises to us, if we're faithful to him. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. You know, when you take an oath, you take an oath on something that's greater than you are, and nothing greater than God. So he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I'll bless thee, and multiplying I'll multiply thee. He promised Abraham that. But now God says, I'll take an oath. This is what I'm going to do. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. There's something here that I think is quite wonderful. He patiently endured. What? 
a new assurance came through trusting God, friend. You walk with God. You grow in grace and the knowledge of Him and the knowledge of the Word of God brings you to a place of assurance, and that assurance cannot be gainsaid. Now, verse 16, "...for men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife." Men take an oath on something greater than they are, and God did not swear by the sun, moon, or stars, but by himself. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So what are the two immutable things today? the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ and his ascension and intercession in heaven for you and me today. He mentioned four things in Romans 8. Now he divides them into two immutable things, the death and resurrection of Christ. And now he's yonder, the living Christ at God's right hand, his ascension and intercession, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus. Aaron was never a forerunner, but Jesus is. He's gone ahead. He's made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, he's going to talk about Melchizedek, and he sure hopes that you and I will not be babies, that we're going to be full-grown sons and hear him. 